Are you an educator who works with vulnerable children? Are you frustrated with trying to meet the needs of vulnerable children in an inflexible, target-driven system? Would you like to know how you can better help support these vulnerable children in your school or organization? Well, look no further. Welcome to this special podcast series from Braveheart Education. Now, please welcome your host and the author of The Teacher's Introduction to Attachment, Nicola Marshall. Hello and welcome to number 20 in this special podcast series um, for the Teacher's Introduction to Attachment. Uh, And as I said in number 19, we're on the last section uh, of the book now. So I'm going to talk about two of the chapters that are discussed in the book. One is about communication. And this really is about how we communicate with parents and carers and how we communicate with each other as professionals, I guess. Um, and it's really important to, to know straight off who the key people are involved in a child's life. Of course, you're going to have the, the parents or carers and grandparents very often uh, or, or other um, family members. Uh, they may be involved with CAMS, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, or a therapist of some kind. They may have an occupational therapist. There may be the educational psychologist. The GP may be involved. Um, a social worker may be involved. There might be lots of other professionals involved in the child's life. Uh, and it's really important that we communicate together um, and that we can kind of get a joint way of working with a child. It's very important for the child to see that as well. And I've found this very often with parents and schools that the child needs to see that we are working together because they very often can split people. They do it with parents and they try and do it with schools and parents as well. So they may be coming into school and saying, you know, they haven't got any food. Mom hasn't given them any food and they might have eaten it on the way or given it to somebody else. And so it's just about having a having an open dialogue with each other so that we know exactly where we're at. One of the other issues around this, though, is about confidentiality, um, because it is important that we keep confidentiality in terms of the child's experience. Um, it is their life. And I've seen for children who go through the care system, very often the information about them is quite widespread. And it must be quite difficult for them to know that people know all the ins and outs of what's happened to them. And as an adoptive parent, I it, and I've heard this from other parents, many times we're asked very blunt questions about the children's history. Um, and, you know, I kind of quite try and say quite politely, um, you know, that's really their business. It's not... You know, I don't want to say kind of things like, you know, where are their real parents and, you know, what happened to them and all all of that kind of thing. What I do think is in terms of parents and schools working together, that it's important that school knows the relevant information. So to know that a child is adopted or, um, well, yeah, is adopted is important. You will know if they're in the looked after system. But I've, I, we've taken their decision to be quite open with our schools um, because we want the best help that we can get for the children. Now, what the school does with that then is a different thing, and we, you know, we trust their confidentiality policies in that respect. I have found in high school that very often they won't tell the teachers, which is good, but we may need to then tell the teachers again if we feel that it's relevant. But we don't need to tell them, you know, how many moves they've had or what the kind of 
experience they had in terms of neglect and abuse. Just to know that a child is adopted in our current system means that they've most probably been taken into care and they will have had a few moves. Um, so you know that they've had that insecurity of moving around and that kind of lack of, uh, of stability with people. I'm also quite aware um, that as schools you have to work with a, a kind of spectrum of parents and carers I guess you, you from your highly enthusiastic parents to your um, vulnerable parents themselves and hostile parents and foster carers and adopters sit along that scale as well um, for many foster carers and adoptive parents they may be really struggling children might be different at school than they are at home um, and they may not be getting a lot of support um, so they may find more involvement from school quite difficult because it's another thing to kind of try try and do for the for the children which can be quite a pressure but I think it's really important that we can try and work together and communicate with each other um, and a good way to do that is at the beginning of each year is to have a meeting with the relevant people to make sure that everybody knows what is what they need to know about the child and then throughout the year to have regular times to meet. And one way that I've found that this is really helpful is if a child is particularly struggling in school, maybe to have a regular meeting and it might be 15, 20 minutes, you know, on a, on a Monday morning when you grief the parents to come in and see the Senko or whoever they need to see, just to say how the week has gone, how the weekend has gone for the child, uh, what's coming up this week, what do we need to think about. And that I've seen that that can be very helpful in getting over certain periods of, uh, of um, adjustment or difficulty for a child. Um, the second chapter that I want to kind of just mention today is um, something that I've entitled The Most Important Thing That We Learn. And this is really about just opening up the whole debate about what is education. Since my children have been at school and now more so in secondary school, I've thought a lot more about, you know, what is education and why do we feel the need to educate children in the way that we do uh, in this country? Are we reaching all of the elements of education that, that, that is needed for them? What is the most important thing that we learn? And um, when I look back over my life, and this might be quite controversial for a podcast for teachers, from what I learned at school, there's very little that I actually would say I use in everyday life. The things that I would use are things like resilience, emotional strength, relationships, friendships, um, respect for elders and for adults and authority some of the, the the skills of determination of taking part when I don't want to all of the things actually are important and we do them at school but they're not actually what we focus on we tend the targets tend to be around the more academic um, achievements whereas the things that we actually need in our adult life are much more about us as a person and our character uh, and I started to think a while ago about um, th this is kind of like um, an archery board. If you think of a, a, 
a board where you've got you know four uh, circles together and you're aiming for the bullseye on this archery board uh, and our system and how we're set up in education is that bullseye are the academics so we're aiming for a high achievement in children in terms of their exams uh, and then the second one might be um, their physical development so we're looking for them to be involved in sports to be um, you know uh, uh, physically fit and healthy and eating well and things like that then after that we might be looking at the social aspects so we're looking for them to be able to make friends to be able to uh, deal with confrontation and all those things and then on the outside um, it's more the emotional development and I think all of those things are important but what we do in our current system is we we say that we're aiming for the bullseye for the academics if they um if physical development happens great if social development happens great if emotional development happens then great i actually feel that it should be the other way around i think we should be aiming for emotional development for emotional resilience the capacity to be able to function and to connect with other people and then after that the social aspects again connecting with people then physically you know how do we look after ourselves how do we you know make sure that our health is is good and then the academics because actually for a lot of the children that we're talking about and I think for for many children who haven't experienced trauma when we can get the others right then the academics just follows when we feel safe enough to learn then we will be able to learn when we feel that we belong when we're in a set of friends that's really good when we're physically fit and healthy when we're sleeping well when we're eating well then we will learn and it's kind of like flipped uh, on its head, really. It needs to be focused more on the emotional development. And I know that's not what we tend to do in our system, but I really think it's something that uh, we need to think about and find ways to bring that in to our curriculum if we possibly can. So I hope that's been thought-provoking. Please contact me if you want to comment on any of the things that you hear in these podcasts. I would love to um, make contact with you. Uh, thank you and we will see you again thank you for listening to this podcast part of a special series introducing the teacher's introduction to attachment to order your copy of this book go to www.teachersintro.com